0: Chumbacasino.com Hello, welcome to the Snooki Scene Podcast. Now, inevitably, as I start our second edition of the week, there's a crane outside my window here in the hotel. You might be able to hear the beeping noise. Very annoying can't really uh, open the window and ask them to stop because I'm recording a a snooker podcast. That probably wouldn't go down well, but uh, there might be some background noise. Not for the first time, but anyway, we're back. And uh, earlier in the week, we went through uh, the emails we'd had in about uh, listeners' favourite players. We've had a lot more, so we've got a lot to get through in this uh, special second edition, so let's just get on with it. Straight away, we'll go to Tony Finnegan. He said, in response to your question on favourite players... I grew up understandably supporting Steve Davis and love watching Ronnie O'Sullivan now, but during the mid-1980s, living in Sheffield, I picked a pet Scottish football team to support and an outsider snooker player to follow. So I picked Cowdenbeath and Dean Reynolds, respectively. Now, i just break it in there. I mean, that's quite some double. I, I, I wonder if anyone else has got those two. Anyway, Dean hailing from the Yorkshire snooker hotbed of, of not Sheffield, but Grimsby. He was outside the top 16 at the time, eventually rising to world ranking high of number eight but I thought he had an outside chance of doing well in the old tournament. He did get to two ranking finals, notably the Grand Prix in 1989, against my other favourite player, Steve Davis. So coming into this final, my loyalties were divided. Unfortunately, Dean ended up losing 10-0, so that was that. Dean retired in 2001, and I understand he's had health issues recently and had to relearn his snooker technique, so I wish him well. I know he's one of a few select players to compile a 16-red clearance. He also won junior pot black against one of your favourite snooker bingo features, Dino Kane. But it remains a great shame, my outside bet, and joint favourite, never won a ranking tournament. Well, yes, of course, Dean Reynolds, uh, he now plays on the disability circuit, actually. But um, he also appeared in in an absolute stinker of a final. It's got to be said, uh, no offence, but uh, he lost to Tony Mio in the 1999 British Open. No good, that final. And then they played again at the Crucible, uh, the quarterfinals. And it was a slow match, but only Dean Reynolds was warned by the referee, John Williams. He was told to, to uh, book his ideas up. Literally, that was the phrase used. And, uh, he lost the match and was in tears afterwards. He, he felt that, uh, you know, it was a bit sort of disrespectful. Anyway, that's, uh, that's Dean Ray. If you're wondering what we're doing here, well, I asked, uh, after, after an embarrassing low of two emails, I, to stimulate interest, I asked listeners to write in very simply, tell us about their favourite snooker players. And it's been very revealing the reasons people follow snooker players. And, uh, you know, what what it means personally to them. And we have one here from Stephen Forbes. He said, I will add to the undoubted influx of emails this week with two personal anecdotes regarding two of my favourite players, more so in terms of these two gentlemen simply being good, kind-hearted people, a value that I'm sure many of us will place higher or on a par with what happens on the base." I contacted Jimmy White a couple of years ago to say that my father-in-law, another Jimmy... Uh, another Jimmy, was terminally ill with cancer in our local hospice and had been a huge snooker fan all his life and a great admirer of the whirlwind. I asked if he could send my father-in-law a message to help raise his spirits and he wrote back within 24 hours with a lovely note that my father-in-law greatly appreciated, as did his daughter Wendy. Whilst my father-in-law bravely lost his battle in the end, every time I see Jimmy White on the TV it brings me a great sense of comfort. Sometimes it's the little things that matter in life. That aside, despite being a Scotsman, I've never recovered from the teenage trauma of Jimmy losing that final against Henry in 1994. I'd also like to mention Ken Doherty. My dad and I visited Ken's snooker club near Dublin several years ago, and after a couple of frames, Ken and his family walked in. I was admittedly starstruck, and despite my dad suggesting I go over and ask for a photograph, I didn't wish to invade his privacy. As Ken was leaving... He came over to thank us for visiting his club, shook our hands and then stood and watched the football with us for 10 minutes as Man United was on the TV in the club. I eventually plucked up the courage to ask for a photograph. He couldn't have been more obliging. Again, it's the little things that make all the difference. On the Bays, I have to say, I've always enjoyed watching Neil Robertson and Sean Murphy, two players I saw during my first ever visit to the Crucible many years ago. Their style of play, overall manner and elegance around the table was captivating. And with your dulcet tones commentating my ear, Dave, it was a memorable first experience. What about that? Uh, as a Celtic supporter, I should probably give a token mention to John Higgins, Steve Maguire and Anthony McGill, all fans of Glasgow's green and white, but on the opposite side, I have great admiration for Ranger supporting Graham Dot, speaking openly about his battles with depression, something I can relate to over the years. Please keep the podcast going, whether it be two emails or 200 you receive, I've been listening since episode one, and I still have most of my marbles intact. Praise indeed. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen, and uh, nice words there about Jimmy and Ken. I wrote a piece on the Eurosport website. Uh, this week about sort of ambassadors in snooker, Roger Federer obviously retired from tennis and the importance of ambassadors and what makes an it ambassador. It's not just going out and saying all the right things. There's lots of different ways. I mean, Alex Higgins in his own way he was an ambassador for snooker. Certainly Jimmy as well, Jimmy White. And nice to hear your experiences there with Jimmy and Ken, Richard Radcliffe. Uh, your podcast is greatly appreciated. I've been listening regularly for a good while now. I always find it fun, interesting, and informative. I'm not sure if, the, if Richard has sent this to the right person, but anyway. I love the general snooker talk and especially the deep niche dives. I've been playing, watching and following snooker since my teens in the early 1980s. There's so much to enjoy and love about this beautiful game. Snooker taps into my love of numbers to statistics. They've stopped I think outside. I think they've stopped outside, which is good news. In fact, Ow. the crane has gone. <laughs> There's a result. You see, I knew I'd get rid of him anyway. Sorry, you know, Snooker taps into my love of numbers, statistics. As I pl- pay close attention to ranking shifts, compile my own statistics. Oh, he's back again! I can't believe this. <laughs> oh, I spoke to him too soon. Go away. Doing important stuff here. Sorry, Richard. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to your email. Uh, <laughs> Snooker taps into my love of numbers, statistics... ...as I pay close attention to ranking shifts... ...compile my own statistics on players... ...enhancing the, ho- the whole adventure. I have my own system of rankings catalogued over the years... ...producing my own version as to who's really the best... ...who the legends of the game really are. But also those a little down the rankings... ...the steady professionals making a living out of the game... ...who get to the odd quarter quarterfinal... Which is who the general public are unfamiliar with. Snooker is a source of wonderful drama... ...replete with fantastic characters... Your call for favourite players was therefore an interesting one, I have so many. I enjoy seeing the emergence of new players as their dreams are fulfilled winning tournaments, moving up the rankings, the likes of Jordan Brown, Fang Zheng Yi, the surprise winners. Especially enjoyable is witnessing the fulfilment of a talent. Just last year, Xiaoxing Tong emerged as a top player after a few years knowing how brilliant he was, Robert Milkins winning a title out of the blue after all those years of being a gifted player. Equally satisfying is the old guard winning again and again, showing us why they're so good. The emotion of Ronnie O'Sullivan as he won his seventh world title, proving beyond any doubt he's simply the best. Who are my favourite players? The ones i followed just that little bit more than the rest. Whittled it down to a top ten. So here we go. Kirk Stevens, my first favourite in the 80s, a dash of exciting youth in a sport full of middle-aged men. That's what it seemed like back then. John Parrott, as the 80s became the 90s, I switched allegiance. I seemed to be the only one supporting for him as he beat Jimmy in 91 for the ultimate prize. Jimmy White, Paul Hunter, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Mark Williams, Ding Jim Weeger, Trump, Xiao Zing Tong are all terrific to watch. I love snooker, but hand on heart, who is my top favourite? In early 2000, I got a tournament ticket for the Welsh Open, attending every session for a whole week. That winner, the winner of that tournament is my favourite player. But this see, I like this because he's building up to it, you see. He hasn't gone early, he's, he's gonna be the last line, okay? Uh, the winner of that tournament is my favourite player Over that glorious seven days I think I saw all his matches My appreciation for him crystallised in that tournament Culminating in the final flourish And seeing it close at hand from three rows back I will forever remember his skill and poise As he came from 8-6 down to win 9-8 Yes, John Higgins is my favourite snooker player So there we are, it's a vote for Higgins As I say, we're not keeping score but um, Well, someone might be, but uh, but I'm not uh, By the way, people have written in about the doubles uh, some views on that. Well, we're going into that next week, I think. So we're just going to stick to this topic for now. Otherwise, we'll, otherwise the po- podcast will become a daily thing uh, as the uh, the crane returns. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, Sam Cole, my favourite snooker player is Marco Fu. He's certainly nothing to do with being present for one of his spectacular wins. In fact, every time I've been present at one of his matches, he's lost, <laughs> including the very memorable loss to Ryan Day in the semis of the 2017 Grand Prix. I love his distinctive technique, the way he barely feathers the cue before playing the shot, the slow backswing and pronounced pause, and the unorthodox way he often quickly gets up off the shot rather than staying down on it. I've heard Sean Murphy say before that as Marco's opponent, this can be misleading as you initially think he's missed. At his peak I would put him in the top five of all time, in terms of cue ball control, giving him a deceptively quick pace of play and making him a very classy break builder. These reasons, combined with his seemingly cool, calm demeanour, make his playing style somewhat nonchalant, similar to Mark Williams in a way. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Marco, but he comes across as a gentleman and as a great sportsman. He seems to be the sort of player that nobody has a bad word to say about. I hope he can get back to some kind of form in the near future, as I'd love to see him climb the rankings and compete at the Masters once again. And I've heard him say in an interview before that it's his favourite tournament. Well, thank you, Sam. And yes, I mean, Marco is a gentleman. You've been on this podcast. You can check out uh, a previous uh, interview that I've done with him. Uh, Martin Eccles, he says, My favourite player is simply Ronnie, an enigma in every way. I didn't always like him when I first met him. It was at the Wembley Masters of 2001. After his match, I shook his hand, and I could see he didn't want to be there. Standoffish. A year or two later, my wife got me his life story, and his demons about life and snooker were explained. I understood him better, and over the years met him again in better times, and he was totally different. Anyway, watching him tackle a table, he's incredible to watch. Roll on Ronnie for another world title. Well, I'm glad that... Uh... Things turned out all right at the end. Um, Our friend Jarrow Warman from Duluth in Minnesota. My favourite player is Mark Selby because of his good attitude, professionalism and personality. You rarely hear him complain. He never gives up and if he loses, he just moves on to the next tournament. He takes nothing for granted. He's a model player. Thank you, uh, Jarrow. Now, Harry McCulloch. And this is headlined, uh, Greetings from Guatemala. So, Harry uh, is, is... Got something over all of us there. So says, I've always been a Ronnie O'Sullivan fan for obvious reasons, but my obsession has intensified in recent years. When I was a boy growing up in London, I used to love watching snooker on TV, and I was delighted to watch any player that was on. When I moved to Guatemala ten years ago, what a sentence that is. When I moved to Guatemala ten years ago, I was restricted to watching videos of snooker matches on YouTube, which meant I could be more selective about who I watched. So I started watching more and more Ronnie matches. Now there are, there are no longer videos of matches from current tournaments on YouTube, so I'm again watching a variety of players on Matchroom.com. I'm dreading the day when Ronnie decides to retire, and we'll shed a tear what he does. I'm looking for a new player to follow, but I haven't found one yet. I do love watching Judd Trump, but I fear that with his less than straight cue action, his career will be shorter than Ronnie's. There's only one snooker table in the whole of Guatemala, so I've been playing a lot of three-cushioned caram billiards, which I would highly recommend to any snooker fan. There's a free 24-hour channel on YouTube called Kazoom TV, which often shows caram matches with commentary. My standard snooker technique hasn't transferred well to Karen Billiard so far. I keep losing. Maybe it's just a lack of experience at this game, or it might be my technique. I can't bring myself to try a loop bridge or play with my chin hovering in the, in the air two foot above the cue, which seems to be the standard technique for this game, even with the best players in the world. Does anyone have any tips? Also, I'd like to know if it's legal to use the rest in cam. I've never seen anyone use one, but with a nine-foot table, it's sometimes necessary. I'd be interested to know if there are any other listeners in Guatemala or Central America. Well, that's Harry McCulloch, and do uh, let us know if you're listening in Guatemala or all the general region. Uh, we'll put you in touch. Yes, uh, three cushion billiards, or caram billiards, he's... Um, terrific sport, there's no pockets, it's not a game of potting, it's a game of of cannons Um, and uh, in three cushion you have to, essentially there's three balls there's a cue ball, two object balls you have to um, make contact with at least three cushions before the final cannon to the second object ball it's been on Eurosport 2 in the past, I've commentated on it and it's very very skillful. I I don't know that there's any uh, reason that uh, the rest would be outlawed but uh, maybe uh, people out there know for sure Nick Cowie On the question of my favourite player, it would be Jimmy White for the following reasons. Longevity, even though he struggled with form for a long while, he can still show a bit of the old magic here and there on the main tour and he's he's still wooing the exhibition circuit. Should that be wowing? Maybe that should be wowing. Anyway, even after all these years, he still wants to do well and keeps on turning up. Natural talent, this could prove a bit of a disputable point in some eyes. He's probably one of the most naturally gifted players in my opinion. He's not been coached, he's self-taught and parted away at the peak of his powers. It's well documented, he didn't practice much, uh, if at all, at times, and his lifestyle choices were not conducive to perform at the highest level. Yet somehow he made six world finals, earned a lot of money. This has to be based on natural talent alone. He blazed a trail, the speed of play, attacking play, exhibition shots dignified in defeat and brought an exciting start to the game in the 80s. Snooker's nearly man, who can still bring a sense of occasion despite his form declining. At the age of 60, he's showing some of the early days' magic. He is, yeah. I mean, Jimmy's played well this season and, of course, he's qualified for the Northern Ireland Open, as he did for the European Masters, so he's going to be uh, in Belfast playing and, and punditing for Eurosport in a couple of weeks' time. Cam- Cameron Hutton. I'm a big fan of the podcast. You do a great job. Thank you, Cameron. But I've been watching snooker properly since the Worlds in 2020. Since we all needed something to do in lockdown, I've been hooked ever since. I also have tickets for the upcoming Scottish Open quarterfinals. It will be my first ever live snooker event, so very excited for that. As for my favourite snooker player, being Scottish, I may have made my decision easy in John Higgins. But my answer is Mark Selby. I've liked his meticulous safety play since first watching him in 2020 and his victory the year after cemented him as a favourite. What makes him my all-time favourite is the recent talks he's had about mental health. Around about the time he began to talk about his experiences is the same time I went through a really bad patch myself and seeing someone I've looked up to go through a similar mindset showed I wasn't alone and it was a massive help. Now I support him in mostly any event as I now respect him as a person and a player. Hopefully this email isn't too long and detailed for the podcast. Well, not at all, Cameron. Thank you very much for that uh, for that contribution. Vinnie O'Connell. Firstly, I think your show is the best snooker podcast on, podcast on the net. I've listened to most episodes and they've been consi- consistently very good. I also think your match commentary is knowledgeable and insightful. Well done, keep it up. Well, that's all very kind, Vinnie. Uh Anyway, my favourite player to watch is Tep Chara New. He's a breath of fresh air. He's overtly attacking style. Doesn't always work for him, but when, he, when it does, wow. I think and dearly hope he will get his match tactics and savvy sorted out. And when he does he'll boost snooker globally. I think if he reached out and managed to get Stephen Hendry in his corner, he'd be unbeatable. Stephen, I believe, will be a great confidant and advisor for Tepchai. With Hendry's vast snooker brain and wealth of tournament experience, it will be an unbeatable alliance. Which well, is interesting, isn't it? Because, um, thank you, Vinny, for the email. He, of course, he absolutely hammered Stephen Hendry last season uh, in the UK Championship, just played out of his skin. Um, and th- but then nearly dropped off the tour. He's a very streaky player, I think, uh, Tepchaya knew. Uh, yeah, what he needs is consistency, certainly, because no one can dispute his talent and his kind of the excitement he generates—it's just whether he can, like you say, marshal it. And maybe a Hendry or someone like that in his corner would be uh, would be just the ticket. We'll move on because I want to get everyone's email in. We've got a lot to get through. Tommy, O'Pray My favorite, The favourite player feature idea is a great idea. I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's choices and related reasoning. My favourite player, although no longer playing, is Alan McManus. This is for many reasons. Alan has always come across as a true professional. His class, class both on and off the table, is second to none, and his love of the game is so apparent. I've never met Alan, but having heard him speak on so many platforms and podcasts, I'm pretty confident that what you see is what you get. He lives for the sport, speaks the truth quietly, and I admire him greatly. Being a fellow Scott helps too. I really hope you get a decent response to this. Although not everyone is tech savvy, for most sending an email is easy to learn. I enjoy listening every week, and I know many others do too. Well, thank you, Tommy. We have had a lot, so uh, people have, have found out how to send emails. <laughs> Owen Burt, uh, I'd just like to start by saying the lack of emails of late certainly doesn't mean that people's enjoyment of the podcast has decreased. As you mentioned at the end of the last episode, it will surely be down to the drought in and maybe the noise outside as well, which has come back, you'll notice. Uh, uh, yes He says, that the majority of emails that come in are inspired by current events, so you can only assume people don't really have much to ask, talk about. Keep up the good work, we all still love it. Well, these are cheering words, Owen, thank you. On to my favourite player. Mine is Neil Robertson. He was the first player that really caught my eye when I first got into snooker, and he's been my favourite ever since. The fact that he was an Aussie with bleach blonde hair was very cool to me, The way that he seemed to dominate the arena by strutting around the table with his chest puffed out like he owned the place was what I love. Not to mention his immaculate technique and pure striking of the cue ball. I also think the fact he's gone on to achieve what he has done coming from the other side of the world goes a little underappreciated generally. I also think he's one of the few, if not the only, one-time world champions that can be considered an all-time great. I don't really like having one favourite as I like to enjoy the sport as a whole. So honouring mentions to Mark Williams, John Higgins, Ricky Walden and Graham Dott. Who make up my top five in terms of how i got into the game it was this unexplainable fascination that you hear so many fans snooker fans talk about that drew me in just found it so satisfying to watch and still do i find someone watching someone kapala break is like watching some sort of 4d dot to dot which i can't take my eyes off can you think of any explanation as to why snooker fans become obsessed with the sport without really knowing why as someone who was born in the mid 90s i like many others my age have quite a a short attention I can't even read this anymore. (laughs) Sorry, Owen, I'm I'm butchering this. I'll I'll, I'll take another run at that. As someone who was born in the mid-90s, I, like many others my age, have quite a short attention span. Snooker is the only thing that can make me sit down and not move for hours on end, which I find very interesting. P.S. I'd like to say, as a Wrexham boy, they absolutely do deserve to be in the Champions League. Well, yes, I did. I, I, I kind of sounded like I picked on Wrexham when I was when I was dismantling Sean Murphy's arguments the other week. But uh, the reason for that is I I've been watching this wonderful series on, and it is really really good on Disney Plus. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham, which is about uh, the, the actors uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney who take over Wrexham. They buy Wrexham, and it's about their sort of uh, adventures trying to get them promoted into the uh, football league again. So um, it was no diss of Wrexham. I hope they do get promoted. Uh, in terms of why people, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an imponderable question, really, why people become fascinated with snooker. I don't know, but I'm glad that they do, I guess. Um, and it, it seems if you're in, you're kind of in for life. Now, Shane McHugh. Sh- uh, sh- uh, it says, Shane here in Ireland, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Big fan of your work. I'll buy you a Guinness if we ever meet in person. Well, thank you, Shane. I'll make a note of that. Now the serious stuff, down to your request. My favourite player, without a doubt, is the legendary baby-faced assassin. I've met Dennis Taylor, Ken Doherty and John Virgo at an exhibition in Navan in Ireland and each of them were brilliant with the fans, chatting, selfies, autographs, etc. Ken was even my sporting idol growing up as a kid. However, myself and a work colleague decided to go for a frame of snooker during our work break to the Selbridge Snooker Club. As soon as we walk in the door, sitting at a bench, eating a sandwich, was none other than Fergal O'Brien. I bucked book- up the courage to approach him and told my dad... Told him my dad was a massive fan of his and asked him if he wouldn't mind taking a selfie. I did not mean there and then, as he was in the middle of his lunch, but he promptly jumped up and came over to me. I told him there's no panic and to finish his sandwich. We'll do the selfie when he's free. He told me, we need to do it now. I need to keep my one fan happy. (laughs) That's that's a very Fergal statement, that. Uh, He said, we continued on and played our frame. And On the way out, Fergal then approached us and said, thanks for the recognition, lads. I like to look after my fan base. A charismatic gentleman and a great role model for all the kids. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just classic verbal, really. Uh, that's, I can picture every every moment of that, the way he described it. Um, Paul Tibble, my favourite player was Steve Davis. Being at the right age to remember the 1985 World Final, I liked the way he remained professional throughout his career and the way he embraced the challenge of the way the game changed and evolved through his decades in the sport. His retirement speech, saying he played off his father, was heartfelt and, I thought, very honourable. The current crop of very talented players we have the pleasure of watching I'd say the player that catches my eye the most is Jack Nazowski. I think he has a beautiful cue action, and despite not winning a title yet, he plays the game with a now more measured approach that many young players could take note from. I'm all for big breaks, but good safety is important when relevant. I do, however, feel Yan Tao has the most complete game for someone so young. There are elements about his game that remind me of Steve Davis. Would you agree? Uh, Thank you for the podcast. I and many others do enjoy your comments and observations, and in some instances, ramblings very much. <laughs> Thank you. That's Paul Tibble. Yeah, I, I can. I know what you mean about Bing Tao. Certainly, he's got a, a sort of mature game for his age. And uh, if he's, if he in any way has uh, observed Steve Davis, that's got to be a plus. Scott Pease, my favourite player, John Higgins. There's a lengthy list of players I like watching, with the seemingly obvious implicit caveat, given that they're playing well. However, for whatever reason, I like watching John Higgins play no matter what, how well he's playing, who he's playing, the tournament, etc. If I had to pick a match to watch without knowing anything, but that one player of my choosing was in it, I would pick him. Thank you very much. Uh, Matthew Tempest, I may be in a minority of one in choosing this particular six-times World Championship winner, but Ray Reardon, I'll tell you why. I'm not denying the overall standard of the elite game has moved on leaps and bounds since the 1970s, but I think no one else has had a better mental temperament for snooker, and it's a mental game. Davis, Hendry, Selby and Yang Bingtao all have ice-cold steeliness, but Reardon combined that with an utterly implacable, unflustered equanimity and authority around the table. There's a reason why most people's mental image of Reardon is him having a wry little chuckle to himself after missing a pot, because it happens so often. Not missing the pot, but his reaction. Perhaps other players could learn and benefit from that. In a funny way, perhaps the most similar modern-day player to him is actually Stuart Bingham, who also doesn't seem to let the game get to him without entirely shutting his emotions off? A la Davis and Hendry. Well, of course, Bingham has won the uh, the Ray Reardon Trophy, isn't he? The uh, the Welsh Open and Matthew uh, uh, P.S. Here, just an addendum to your lost venues podcast. I think there is a reason why the post war boom of the sixties and seventies theatres and conference centres serve snooker so well. Quality buildings with great sightlines seating and acoustics, because they were specifically designed that way. Namely the Crucible, but also the Preston Guild Hall, RIP, the Diaboli Assembly Rooms, RIP, and the Wembley Conference Centre, RIP. Uh, and he's attached a picture of the old, uh, the old uh, seating at the conference centre. He says, you can see why Henry rated it so highly. Yes, I mean, I was talking, uh, having breakfast with uh, um, uh, one of my friends from World Snooker Tour, and we were sort of, uh, I won't say it was, but we were sort of lamenting some of the venues a bit characterless, and I have to say, Milton Keynes is a bit like that. So it's nothing, nothing against uh, the, the venue or, or the area, but it's sort of it's a little bit out of the way. It's not kind of central, um, and they've struggled with audience this this week. I think this is another topic for another day. But I think they need to look at potentially sort of some of the marketing and the way they can do more with tickets. And so maybe we'll discuss that another time. Uh, James Cook, our friend in America. He said, I've just driven six-ish hours from New York to a beach resort in Maryland. (laughs) Don't rub it in, James, come on. Some of of us are in Milton Keynes listening to a crane outside our window. Anyway, she said, this gave me a chance to catch up on all the snooker podcasts. There are others. Uh, And I was royally entertained on the way. I did manage to get a mention on Talking Snooker, which was great. And I got a mention on the 147 previous one, and a recent one of yours, which means I've completed the Snooker Podcast Triple Crown. (laughs) Well, that's about as valid as the actual Triple Crown. Anyway... When Nick and Phil mentioned that the Talking Balls guys were packing away their metaphorical cues and seizing their podcast, which is a shame, it hit me that now we have several snooker-related podcasts, and none would exist if it weren't for you. As far as I know, you were the first, and still the best, and have blazed a trail that others have followed. It sounds like I've written this myself. I, I swear this is coming. Uh, I realise it's a commitment to put the podcast together, which you have continued despite your busy schedule, so bravo, and thank you for keeping going. I'm sure I speak for all your listeners when I say it's a highlight of the week. Even when you only get a few emails, which is more to do with external factors, lack of snooker, death of the Queen, etc. Well, you know, that's not to be fair. That's not something that happens every week. Yes, I mean I, I have to say thank you, James. Very kind of you. Um, but uh, I think you know that there would be. Uh, I'm sure there would be other podcasts, regardless, regardless of this one, because uh, I believe Jay Humphrey inv- invented the podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, anyway. Um Right on to the topic, anyway, favourite player. Jimmy and Alex first got me interested in the game in the 80s. We had a 6 by 3 table set up on the ironing board, dining room table, etc., like many others, I suspect. However, I'm sorry to be cliché, but it's Ronnie these days. He's just unbelievable, amazing to watch, and just makes it look so easy. Uh, thank you, James. Now then, uh, next up, we have Matt Tarrant. Uh, so difficult to pin one down for different reasons. I have big soft spots for Anthony McGill, Peter Devlin, Steve Davis and Nigel Bond. But if you're going to back me into a corner, I'm going to have to select Stephen Lee for two reasons. Firstly, I'll to watch him play. What a natural talent, what a shot maker, what a break builder and obviously what a cue action. Now, plenty of listeners will be adding another description and saying what a... And he's put sort of asterisks and, yeah, it's not actually a word, but yes, yeah, we can use our imagination. Which brings me to my second reason for selecting Stephen. He clearly made some extremely poor decisions, which have tarnished the sport. Ken Doherty and Sean Murphy are fantastic ambassadors for snooker, which they are, then Stephen's been the opposite. He cheated and lied. But I feel the situation could have been better handled. When I see how other players have been treated, I can't help but have some sympathy for Stephen. And if he tries to come back in 2024, I'll be rooting for him like I've never rooted for a player before. I recall John Parrott in commentary on the Beeb describing a current top 16 players having been a very lucky boy after receiving a much more lenient sanction for a similar but admittedly less serious offence. I feel Snooker could have worked with Stephen and supported and educated him through a shorter ban to have brought him in and shown some care rather than exclude him and to have kept a genuine star, a multi-ranking event winner in the sport. But Dave, you will have been much closer to the story than I, and maybe you disagree and feel he had to go. I respect your views and be interested to hear them. But for now, he's my all-time favourite player. I'd hazard a guess he only got the one vote. Well, I, I think you're right on that point. I mean, the, the ban he got was it was very uh, draconian, um, and it, really the the length of time, in a way, was an irrelevance. It was the fine because if he doesn't like twenty twenty four. In theory, is two years away. He could come back. I think I've said this before, but there's unpaid fines, and if he doesn't pay them, he won't be coming back. And I'm guessing he's not going to be paying them. Um, uh, if he did come back, I, I personally, you know, I, I'm a great believer that you serve your time, and then you hopefully you come back. Kind of. You know, in a, in a sort of um, in a better way, but uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him on tour again. His son, though, Alfie—he's uh, quite a talent, so we, we may see him. Maybe uh, Mark Oates. I find it very hard to name just one, but I like different players for different reasons. Judd Trump for his power, style, and sheer brilliance. Sean Murphy when he's on a roll in the game for his swagger and strut around the table, but also his humour and self-deprecating nature. Karen Wilson for his tenacity and attitude to the game. Sonia Carney for his elegance and poise. Mark Selby for his grit as well as personal honesty and courage. John Higgins for his consistency and powers of recovery in a match. Jack Zowski for his determination and positive approach. There are many more I could mention for other reasons. I like players who play the game with style but who can dig in when needed and players who show humility and respect to the game, the other players and officials. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Angela Beattie. Now this is headline Judd Trump in capital letters, so that, that might be a spoiler. Uh, she says, I started watching Snook in the 80s, partic- especially particularly the World Championships when Jimmy White was my favourite player. Moving forward to the present day, my favourite player is Judd Trump. I must admit, though, he wasn't a player I was impressed with early in his career, and I thought he was a bit flash and inconsistent, with his fancy exhibition shots and then missing the next shot. Also, I couldn't take him seriously with an awful hairstyle of his. But since then, Judd Trump has gone up in my estimation, estimations, become a great ambassador for snooker, he's matured as a person and a player, I respect his comments and opinions about the game, he's trying to do what's best for the future of snooker. I always look forward to watching all his matches. I really started to appreciate his talent prior to him winning the World Championship in 2019, and have been a massive fan of his ever since. Hoping he does well with Onye in the mixed doubles this weekend. Ah, since writing this, Onye and Judd Trumba won the first match three-one. Yes, well, of course they didn't. Uh, they didn't actually uh, go on and win that, did they? I thought. I actually thought they, they would. They were my favourites before it started, but uh, it sort of all went wrong on day two. Uh, Angela concludes. I feel I'm a much bigger fan of snooker than ever I was in the 80s. I'm so immersed in the whole snooker scene. I think the snooker podcasts are a brilliant accompaniment to the enjoyment of snooker. I wish I discovered your podcast a few years ago. I hope the podcast keeps going and you get loads of emails. Well, I have done, Angela. Thank you very much. Uh, just uh, move on here. Callum Law, you asked us to contribute our favourite snooker player. I thought I'd send in mine, which is John Higgins. Being Scottish, when I started watching snooker in the mid two thousands, I was inclined to follow the Scottish players, and from then until now, Higgins has been Scotland's best. Sadly, I'm not old enough to have seen Stephen Hendry in his pomp, aside from old videos on YouTube. although Scotland has had other great players like Graham Stephen McGuire, Nancy McGill. Higgins has always been my favourite. Some of his great matches are ingrained in my memory and three personal favourites of mine are the 2006 Masters final against O'Sullivan, the 2010 UK final against Williams and the 2021 Players Championship quarter final against Selby. Hopefully there's still one or two more memorable Higgins victories to savour before he hangs up his queue. It'd be interesting actually that because of course he lost to Yuan Jun in the British Open. It was another one of these where he had the chance to win and, uh, and it didn't. Uh, it didn't go for him. He uh, kind of broke down, which is uh, sadly becoming a bit of a, a theme. But hopefully, one that he will turn around. But uh, he, he described it as unacceptable uh, the way that happened. Uh, I'll come on to your other points, you, make, Callum, about other things uh, next week. Alpha Bonzi writes. I think I might be unique among listeners. Is that I don't have a sole favourite player. To point that when I went to Ali Pali this year, I clapped as hard for Lozowski as I did for O'Sullivan. When I got into snooker, it was largely through Sullivan's 2001 world title triumph. And although I've followed his progress ever since, he was largely taken over as a favourite by Hendry, who was largely past his prime by then. When I started playing badly around 2010, the club I used to go to in north London had Anthony Hamilton as a resident professional. I'm totally grateful to him that he gave me and my friend the time of day regularly chatting to us and even trying to help us with our break-off and our stances. I felt a pang of triumph for him when he won the German in 2017. Whilst working at Stansted Airport, I got to meet Joe Perry, congratulate Matt Selt on his Indian Open win, and shake John Trump's hand weeks before he won at the Crucible in 2019, my small part in his rise to stardom. However, even though I look for their results over other players, I generally don't support any player over another, making me wonder if I'm the only snooker neutral. I'm not sure about that, actually. I, don't, I think there might, there might be more uh, more people like you. Uh, anyway, um, sorry, I'm just looking for the next emails. We've got a few, as said, about other issues and uh, we'll come on to those David Burney's written from Canada we'll come on to these next week I think people have written in about the mixed doubles uh, but we go now to Eddie in Northern Ireland uh, just an email to explain who my favourite snooker player is you'd think being 20 something from Northern Ireland I'd say Mark Allen, Jordan Brown or in fact Ronnie O'Sullivan well think again I'm a total snookerholic and love watching the old 90s brigade. Mark King, Graham Dot and Ken Doherty have to be up there for pure snooker. But my favourite player is Anthony Hamilton. So there's another shout out to the Sheriff. I just saw him at breakfast actually. But anyway. Uh, anytime I visit my local tournament. The Northern Ireland Open in Belfast. I always make an effort to watch Anthony. He's thrown up so many great memories in the back, back hall. On table 7 or 8. Which go totally unnoticed to the general snooker audience. I hope one day to meet the Sheriff. To thank him for the great memories and snooker enjoyment. He's provided over the last 25 years. In my opinion, he's still so underrated on the tour, being 51, and can still mix it up with the big guns, playing to a top 32, top 16 level. Back and eye problems don't provide him with excuses, and going by the rest of the tour, he's the ideal player's player. He's ranked 31st on the list of all-time 50-plus breaks scored, and is the 11th longest-serving player on the tour ever. I really hope he stays on tour for a couple more seasons, and I fully believe he has the talent in game to at least get to another ranking final, and with a bit of luck, win it. Well, All good stuff, and he's playing well at the moment, Anthony, actually. He seems to be uh, going through a little bit of a purple patch. Uh, Sean Robinson. Uh, My favourite player would be Stephen Hendry. As being in my mid-40s, he was the catalyst to me starting to play the game and still playing today to a half-decent standard. I understand the argument around the standard of the top 32 back then maybe not as strong as it is now but I suppose this is the same in most sports my argument for Stephen Hendry is that if you were to show a DVD to a youngster starting out the game then Stephen's technique and style is arguably the best to learn from my opinion of course uh, if you have a chance please could you read out an additional list that would be great my favourite player in the top 32 now is Sean Murphy greatest talent Ronnie obviously most exciting to watch Joe Trump most underachieving for his talent Jack Nazowski most granite Mark Selby there we are. Now then. <clears throat> Kerry Richards. Uh, I thought I'd join in the fun and add to your email bag. I write on behalf of a group of us who regularly keep in touch with all things snooker-related via a WhatsApp chat. As the vast majority of us are Welsh, we have a natural affinity to the likes of Mark, Matthew, Jackson, Michael, etc. That's Michael White, I'm assuming. However, our favourite non-Welsh player is undoubtedly Anthony Hamilton. You see here again, Anthony's like coming up on the rails here. Uh, as noted in a previous email, we make our, the annual pilgrimage to Cardiff or Newport for the Welsh Open. Not possible next year, thanks to bloody Clandidno. <laughs> and we'll always make a beeline to watch the Sheriff. In Cardiff in particular, this would mean relocating ourselves out to table seven or eight <laughs> in the dim and distant darkness. You see, this is... a. Common theme here is always table seven or eight. Uh, anyway, where where often we'd be the only ones watching. We love the share of self-deprecating approach to the game as well as his quirky mannerisms. The fact he can still mix it with the best of them, as demonstrated by him reaching the last 16 of last season's UK Championship, is all the more remarkable due to his well-documented health issues. I speak on behalf of all the boys when I say that I hope there's plenty more ammunition in the holster and that we'll continue to see him on tour. Uh... Now then, we've got uh, an email here about uh, Milton Keynes. We should move on. Phil Haig. Now, you, Phil Haig, you'd think, uh, he's got his own podcast, of course, but he's quite entitled to write into this one. We, you know, we welcome, uh, welcome contributions from wherever they come. And maybe, you know, maybe this is a, a bid for freedom away from Nick Metcalf. We don't know. We're not going to speculate about that. But what we are going to do is read it out. So he said, I often thought about emailing in and maybe should have done it when you weren't flooded with messages. But here we are. I do my best not to have favourites. Now, because if you don't know Phil, obviously he is, uh, Writes excellent stuff for the Metro online, lots of snooker content there, and also co-presents Talking Snooker, another podcast. Anyway, I do my best not to have favourites now due to work, but I definitely had a couple beforehand. The first was Alan McManus. This was in the very early days of watching snooker for me. I think it's partly because of the nickname. Angles sounds very intelligent, but with a hint of craftiness. I love the idea of Alan just knowing a route into and out of any snooker, because he has a kind of Angles-based superpower. Otherwise, I think it was just because I thought he looked good. I remember re- really clearly at a young age telling my mum that McManus was my favourite player. She asked why, and I said, don't you think he looked quite cool? She said, I think he looks as cool as he can look. A real backhanded compliment from Juanita Haig there. <laughs> Matthew Stevens took over as favourite in the late 90s. Great crucible matches. Seemed like an exciting youngster taking on some elder statesmen. I enjoyed the red streak in his hair, which I briefly copied. Don't think I realised it at the time, but I also always have time for players who like going to the pub. Nowadays, I'm of course ruthlessly impartial, but I'm sure you're the same. It's hard not to want some players to do well because you get to know them a bit and many are top guys. Well, it's certainly true. I mean, I think the thing with certainly commentary, you you can't afford to have any favourites and you just have to concentrate on your own performance. But clearly, as we've talked about with Anthony Hamilton winning in Germany, you know, you couldn't fail to be... Kind of moved by that And uh, delighted for him um, But if he hadn't won Then, you know It's not like you'd be Sort of in, in depression about it It's just uh, you, you're It's out of your control Anyway, Chris Boggan We've got three left now Chris Boggan uh, I knew you'd get An avalanche of emails And mine would have been one of them if I'd been organised enough. Hopefully, I can make an in part two. We have done. Incidentally, every time I order tickets directly through WST's website, I have to put my favourite player, Asterix, in a, as a mandatory field. So I've enjoyed entertaining myself, and possibly a WST employee, uh, well, believe me, they need it, Chris, uh, with obscure options like Lee Yan, Bjorn Larange, and Gino Rigatano in the last year. I think that's the first mention of Gino Rigatano on this podcast, and it possibly, possibly will be the last. Uh, Chris continues to to... To so my real favourite player, in common with many, I'm sure, my love of snooker was cemented by the heartbreaking loss of Jimmy White in the 1994 World Final, which resonated with me, with me and intensified my natural affinity for the underdog. I have supported players like Matthew Stevens, Anthony Hamilton and Dave Gilbert over the years, but my favourite player has to be Barry Hawkins, a player who can engage beast mode and would surely have been 2013 World Champion against anyone but Ronnie, who can... who... But who can also bring heartbreak a la Jimmy all these years ago, most recently in the European Masters final against Karen Wilson? The unpredictability coupled with humility breaks my heart always with Barry. Come on, Barry. Well, uh, uh, plenty of cry from Chris. Barry played well, uh, uh, as I record this, last night against Karen Wilson. But uh, by the time this goes out, we'll know how he's got on tonight um, against Stephen Holworth, a friend of the podcast. Uh, well, not really a friend of the podcast, just uh, a friend of me. Anyway, <laughs> Steve Bishop. Uh, I thought I'd drop you an email. I've been listening to the podcast since 2021 while working at home and it became a highlight of the week for me. My favourite snooker player is Ronnie O'Sullivan. I like his style of play and I remember watching all his matches in the 2001 World Championship as I was off sick from college for the two weeks that the Championship was on. He's a quick attacking player and really good to watch when he's in full flow. I'm also a fan of Judd Trump and Jack Lazowski as I enjoy their style of play as well. I used to play at the Romford Snooker Club, which was the matchroom club that a certain Steve Davis used to play in. I loved playing in there, as it felt a special place in snooker history. I played in a league every week on a Saturday uh, with other players, other junior players and also played against Matt Selt there. I've not played for years now, as I realise I don't have the talent for snooker, but I love watching it. I try to watch as much as I can. Me and my wife have been to the Masters a few times, which I thoroughly enjoyed. The last time was 2017, when we watched Ronnie O'Sullivan in the semi-final. Thank you, Steve. And we're going to now... This is the, the the drawbridge is coming up now. So if you sent any emails after uh, this one from Josh Lee, then unfortunately we do not have we're about to read it this week, but we can still read it in future editions. So you can still uh, contribute contribute to this uh, subject. It's just uh, we're drawing a line under this last email. So it's from Josh Lee. He says, "I hope I'm not too late for the sec- this week's second entry. I became an avid fan of snooker a couple of years ago. It all started with the 2021 Masters played in Milton Keynes." I was watching the first round games on television and was very impressed with the all-round game of a young Chinese player. I then bet my father that this very player would win the title, although I was hopeful at best. My dad's money was on Neil Robertson, who was defeated in the first round by the player whom I tipped. As the week went on, my excitement grew, uh, deciding frame by deciding frame, until this man had claimed his very first triple crown title. You guessed it, it's Yang Mintao. It's no mean feat to win three final frame deciders on the bounce. The character displayed to come from 5-3 down to John Higgins in the final is a testament to the young man's grit and determination. Jan fits the Higgins mould to some degree, in fact, with resolute safety play and giving little away with his emotions. I'm certain he will win the World Championship and complete his Triple Crown across the many years of his career still to come. I cannot wait to see them unfold. Sure, Jan's shot choices and execution execution, sometimes out of the box to say the least, and his form has been less consistent since that Masters victory... But these are things that make his style of play unique and all the more enjoyable to watch. He was only two frames away from making a semi-final at the Crucible this year in what would have been the session that I attended in person. And I'm sure that it's a sign of things to come. What is more, Jan lives only 20 minutes away from me near Sheffield. It's a dream of mine to one day meet him and get a photograph.' Anyway, thank you for your time, Dave. Please please keep doing the podcast. I find it very entertaining and informative with your specialist insight. Thank you very much. Well, yes, of course, Well, if you go around Jan's house, of course, you can use his Wi-Fi for free because when World Snooker did that extraordinary video with Rob Walker around his house, his Wi-Fi password was displayed on the TV. I hope he's changed it by now. (laughs) Um, Yes, uh, what was interesting about his master's victory, those deciders, there were two... He won them in different ways. He won against Robertson putting five of the six colours on the cushion because he had a lead and Robertson needed, obviously, the balls in play. I think it was only the green that was uh, not on a cushion. And uh, the other thing uh, he did, of course, against uh, Maguire in the semis, was he made, uh, I think his highest ever break to that point, uh, a total clearance to win the decider. So that's two different ways of winning a decider. He's one to watch for sure. But what we've learnt from this subject, and as I say, still uh, people are welcome to contribute to it what we've learned is that people have different reasons for supporting players it's often about the style of play there's often something about the person sometimes it's a personal thing sometimes it's what something they've done away from snooker has inspired you sometimes you've met them and you followed them for that reason but what's great is there's a variety of reasons and uh you know it's uh i think the sport obviously people love the game but i think snooker is a sport where people also love the personalities and uh, the two sort of go in harness and um well, nice to see such a wide variety. I don't know who came out on top there. I get the feeling John Higgins and Ronnie O'Sullivan inevitably uh, were pretty high up the list. But anyway, whoever you you uh, put forward, thank you for con- contributing. And uh, we'll be back next week. The British Open continues. But in the meantime, uh, you can email us snookerscenepodcast.mail.com snookerscenepodcast.mail.com Sod's Law, of course, now I've finished the podcast. That crane is gone. Maybe it'll be back next week. Maybe that could be a, a feature. Annoying noises in the background. Uh, some people will say there are annoying noises in the foreground. But anyway, <laughs> that's it. As we always say, oh, Sports Social Network, blah, blah, blah. But as we always say, uh, goodbye, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network